Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Simon O'Connor is the CEO of the Responsible Investment Association Australasia, an industry body that champions responsible investing and a sustainable financial system in Australia and Aotearoa, New Zealand. Simon, welcome to the Greener Way, and let's talk about what's going on for your more than 300-strong membership body. It feels like 2022 is the busiest year yet for responsible investment and sustainable finance, uh, but 2023 feels like it's going to be even bigger. What stood out from you from last year? Hi, Rachel, and thanks for having me. I, I, I think we all are still recovering from 2022, and I think it was a global phenomenon, actually, this really enormous wave that really sort of crossed the globe in sustainable finance and responsible investment. And it sort of built on this momentum that's been coming over the last five years or more, but really hit a kind of a threshold point last year. And and I think we saw that in a number of ways. So, you know, we saw governments and regulators globally just sharpen their focus right onto this sector. And that played out around the world and absolutely in our market and particularly around the concept of greenwashing um, really became the focal point whereby it had finally been realised that this is a sector that the majority of the financial system and services sector are focused on. Um, so regulators better get on board and ensure they are not misleading consumers because we saw the demand piece there as well really driving from the consumer side. So. In the Australian context, we absolutely saw that. I think in our own domestic context, the change of government saw this political focus shift in our sector as well. And so all of a sudden, there was this really an opportunity to engage again with governments, with a a new federal government who saw that actually to drive a strong, prosperous and thriving economy in Australia, we're going to need private finance to play a key role. And so that penny dropped not just in the finance sort of portfolio and treasury portfolio, but across environment, cultural heritage, infrastructure, housing. And so all of a sudden we saw this sort of appetite from government to kind of work with us, collaborate and partner, which was really positive. And and I think um, finally, maybe as a third observation for 2022, you know, we really saw capital starting to flow preferentially towards greener, more sustainable assets and away from the dirty, the polluting, the brown, the unsustainable assets. So I think, you know, where that kind of cut through for us most, I guess, was just seeing this growth in the assets sitting under reacertified products jumped nearly mm-hmm. 100% in that year from about 65 mm-hmm billion dollars in AUM to about 110 or so odd billion in AUM. So that was one measure where we just saw that shift in capital. After all those years of a lot of talk and a lot of work and a lot of commitments, I think the money has started to flow. And we know when the money starts to move, it sends a very loud message to the whole economy, businesses in the economy, governments in the economy. So that was sort of some reflections on that year 2022. Simon, I just want to drill in on one point you just mentioned there, because I think it's worth explaining to our listenership. Um, so RIA operates an independent um, certification process, the RIA certification. Um, do you mind just giving a quick recap for our listeners as to what RIA certification is and why um, so many financial services providers are embracing RIA, the RIA certification process? Yeah, it's really something that's become a, a key priority for us. And I, I guess what you see in many sectors is that when 
businesses start making claims about their ethical products or their environmental credentials, you very quickly see these third-party verifiers come into play to certify and assess those claims to ensure they're valid, they're good bona fides, that they're actually um, there's substance beneath them. And so RIA has been doing this on financial services products, super fund products, managed funds um, for about 15 years. But I think it's in the last two years where we've really seen this demand surge where we're in a market now where most fund managers will have products that are ESG or responsible or impact or ethical. It's really now time that those products actually have that third-party verification that they are actually delivering on the claims they're making. And so we provide that service. We assess the products. We run them through a really high sort of due diligence assessment, verify that there are processes that can deliver on the claims being made, that the labelling is not misleading, and then we give them a certification uh, that they can use for two years to sort of say, yep, we have actually met those standards. Um, So this has become a really important focus for us, particularly in the context of greenwashing, where Mm -hmm. everyone is concerned that there are products in the market making claims that can't be substantiated and our regulators here and in New Zealand are starting to Mm -hmm. take enforcement measures on that. So that program currently has about 320-odd products certified, banking products, super products, managed funds, ETFs, the works, um, KiwiSaver mm-hmm. funds, um, and that's grown in the last year from about 220, 30 products to that amount. I think it's really interesting, Simon. Um, I usually try and interview uh, whenever RIA makes a, an announcement of certification or the, the entity makes an announcement that they're certified. I, I try and arrange for an interview. And I always find it interesting that the most common answer I get is that um, the process forces even more self-reflection and sort of holistic thinking within the entity about how they do the process of responsible investing. Um, you know, as someone who's really loves loves a good process story, it always makes me yeah. really excited to have those kind of conversations about the industry. Yeah, and I think we make it really hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we intentionally make it really hard. That is our plan. Um, I think you know, you're succeeding. I, more I, of the, yeah, <laughs> most of the products going through get told to go and make changes um, and mm-hmm. have to make amendments to their PDSs, have to clarify the way they talk about things, have to improve mm-hmm. their exclusionary thresholds. And I think it's mm-hmm. really healthy for our industry to be stepping up mm-hmm. and maturing, and it's necessary. And the managers keep coming back and bringing their products, which is great, but. It's not our intention to make this an easy process for them. Um, and that we hope and we see as well that feedback that people see it as really valuable in improving how mm. they're doing things, their systems, their processes and their disclosures. So, Simon, what are the key priorities for 2023? Obviously more of the same, but uh, are there other areas for either RIA itself or for the, the that's being reflected up from the membership up to you folks as to what are, what's going to be important on the agenda? Yeah, so we see that over this coming year again, there's going to be this huge ongoing momentum and focus on the policy and regulatory environment around our sector. There is basically regulators have fallen behind the industry in our sector and they're now Mm. playing catch up. Mm -hmm. And so we anticipate that our regulators in Australia and New Zealand, our governments are going to continue to be pushing through legislation, regulations, monitoring, enforcing. We're seeing that already with climate disclosures in Australia, consulting commitments from the Treasurer around a broader sustainable finance agenda. Um, Mm. So that's going to be work that we really focus squarely on to ensure when those things are being hardwired into standards and codes and regulations and policy that they're done right and at a sufficiently high standard. And so Mm. we'll continue on that really hardly, really strongly. Um, What the certification is a key piece in that. So that's a really big strategic priority for us. 
particularly to give consumers and advisors a lot of confidence in the products they're investing in. Because whilst we've seen this big growth and momentum, it's fragile. You know, we can lose the trust that we've built by failing to deliver on the promises we're making, um, mm. failing to deliver what the public expect from responsible and ethical and impact investments. And so we kind of feel like we're a, a bit of a holder of that of that good trust that has been built up mm-hmm. by the sector. Um, so mm-hmm. they're kind of really the capability and practical sides of delivering on our industry. I think on the issues themselves, you know, our members are going to continue to be focused really strongly on cultural heritage and First Nations people's rights. And there's some mm-hmm. really good work going on there that we'll be launching in the first quarter of this year um, mm-hmm. with some First Nations Aboriginal representative groups, with some um, corporate groups and with investors around that, which is exciting. Mm-hmm. Climate disclosures work is going to force mm-hmm. a big stepping up in terms of the data that's available in terms of the way companies and investors have to sort of be accountable to their climate mm-hmm. exposures, how they're managing them. And I think nature and biodiversity, the momentum around this just continues to grow. So that's one area we've spent a lot of time on with our members, but we're learning from an uh, earlier sort of starting point, I guess, the, 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 the steeper learning curve for us. So we continue to sort of help on that front. I think the other thing I'd say for this year, we're at a point where the market is feeling quite overwhelmed <laughs> by the amount that's going on and the amount that's needing to be sort of stepped up and improved and learned yep. and systematized and embedded very mm. in a very short window of time. And so, you know, we see our role as providing that platform for that community to come together to share, to build capability, to build a community, to actually help us actually be able to deliver on all of mm. these demands on the sector right now. So, you know, things like our conference that we hold annually that um, is a really key point in time of bringing that community together. So that's mm-hmm. in the 10th and 11th of May this year in Melbourne, which will be a really big conference again, stepping up from last year, really important two days of that community coming together to share knowledge. Uh, and I, I think, you know, these, the, and, and of course, they're very practically for us organisationally, you know, we're, we're a growing little organisation that aims to be a platform for a huge community of 500 plus investment organisation members. Um, there's a big focus for RIA on just how we run our organisation well, how we run our teams well and how we continue to sort of really deliver well for our members as well. So there's a big organisational focus for us as well. Yeah, that sort of brings me on to my next question, Simon, um, because it's something that I reflect back on in terms of the editorial mission of FS Sustainability. Um, you know, with so many of these issues becoming table stakes or business as usual through regulation, through, you know, social license to operate, that sort of thing, how does the, fin- how do the responsible investment industry push sort of deeper and further um, into what that future of sustainable investing and sustainable finance looks like um, without becoming a talking shop? Because there's always that, that, that risk as well that we just sit around talking to each other instead of, you know, directing outwards. Yeah, I think it's a really, really important point. And there's, there's almost an expectation that we're experts on more issues than we ever possibly could be experts on. Um, and we need to kind of admit that fact. We can't be experts on all of the ESG and sustainability issues um, that we kind of need to be considering. And so I think it does become a time where we need to be really smart at our collaborations and partnerships and how we actually operate in a very different way to um, having 
good um, partnerships with experts in different areas and working how to, working out how to work really well with them. I mean, very practically for us, we primarily are seeing this flow through in our own working groups that we convene of our members. We've seen hundreds of our members sitting around the table and sharing the knowledge they have mm. um, in a very incredibly open and honest and generous way around the issues mm. of human rights and modern slavery and nature and biodiversity and First Nations cultural heritage and then kind of trying to, you know, c- kind of cloud source a lot of that knowledge, compile it into sort of really useful guides that can help and arm our members to then better sort of engage on these topics because there is more than any of us um, mm-hmm. solely can kind of uh, be across. Um, and so I think, I think we need to learn how to do partnerships and knowledge sharing really well and it's very much a focus on us that how do we provide that platform mm-hmm. for that. And, you know, pleasingly we are in a community of, who collaborate well, who share well, who are very generous. Um, and so I guess that, that's, that's critical for all of us who are, individually practitioners in this field. Um, there's a lot of people out there with a very, very unrealistic sort of uh, uh, list of work priorities, I guess, um, and are going to need to find those colleagues they can work with and collaborate with. Yeah, I, I do think this industry tends to be very much a yes and sort of uh, sort of approach, which is pleasing, but you can get in over your head very quickly. I'm laughing along in empathy at the more ideas than we'll ever have a chance to cover idea. I feel right. that. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's lots of us doing our planning for the calendar year 23 right now saying, what are we not going to do? You know, what have, <laughs> are we just going to have to say, we, would, we know it's important. We just cannot possibly do that this year. Um, and so I think they're some of the harder decisions too, because as we know as well, there's a lot of scrutiny on our sector. There's a lot of expectations. Mm. There's mm. a lot of civil society groups who would love us to be more active on a lot of issues and have a very good case as to why responsible investors should be considering certain issues. Mm-hmm. But um, there, is a, there is a simple capacity constraint issue here yep. as well. So doing fewer things well may be the mm. mantra of a few organisations, I think. Well, since we've already name-checked uh, climate change, biodiversity, First Nations and cultural heritage protection and sort of you know, racial justice and equity, are there any other, what are the other three issues or key issues that you're looking to with 2023? Um, I always look to RIA as being at that real crest of the wave when it comes to identifying um, the issues, the legislation, the regulation that are going to shape the agenda. Well, thank you, Rachel. That's nice of you. We, <laughs> we, um, I, I think, uh, you know, I think we're at this point in time where we have to be really careful that we continue to build the capability in our market to deal with the issues that have been thrown at our market. And so a lot of us, it'll be not so much about adding new issues, but building that capability to deal with those current issues. So as we said earlier, there's this huge sense of being overwhelmed and stretched, and we need to sort of consolidate that. And um, so there's a big learning curve that we need to support. And what we know as well right now is there's a huge skills and staffing shortage of experts in this field as well. So we need to sort of play a role in sort of helping to build that capacity, capability, that next wave of skilled experts who can fill roles. Uh, so that's really key. I think um, I think a big focus will again be just that opportunity we find ourselves in right now to create change. Like there is clearly a window of opportunity that is live right now that we need to make the most of it. The political opportunity is part of that. Mm. Um, The momentum we're seeing globally is a big part of that. And so we kind of need to continue to push on that window whilst it's there. 
make hay while the sun shines and really <laughs> progress that. Um, I guess the flip side of that is, you know, we're observing that there is a pushback going on globally right now, you know, and there's, there's, a, there's a need also to defend progress mm. that has been made and really, um, yeah, really consciously ensure we, are, we have really good foundations upon which to continue to proceed. And so whether that sort of US pushback, whether that's the concerns around greenwashing, there's a lot of areas where I think we just need to tread really cautiously and ensure we have our foundations really solid. So that's that's going to be that's going to be a huge piece of it as well. But um, yeah, and I, and I think, like I said earlier, you know, there's been this massive momentum and growth, but that's that's risk being fragile. You know, we actually have to consolidate behind that and deliver on the those promises and deliver what consumers are expecting. And so I think what we want to see is. I may have gone beyond my top three issues. Sorry if I have there, but I, I think <laughs> again, you know, as endemic use... to the industry, we're always yes ending here, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So if I have number four, it would be yeah. that I think continuing for us is this really strength and focus around stewardship and the power of ownership and how we really responsibly own the assets in our portfolio. And this applies to any asset class, any type of investor. I think that concept of what we're doing through ownership as opposed to just what we're avoiding in our portfolios is really that 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 is sort of the influence we have that creates has the potential to create greater change than any other sort of tool or activity in response to investment so we will continue to be pushing really strongly on stewardship how we use engagement how we use policy advocacy how we use voting etc as a really strong part of the toolkit for responsible investors this year Excellent. Well, Simon O'Connor, CEO of Responsible Investment Association Australasia, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you liked today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allenbackis. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.